that time again you know what day it is it's another episode of the three in one podcast joining us from cleveland ohio give it up for international ian lamont morgan what up what up what up what up hey what's happening world and joining us from cincinnati the nasty natty home of the champ adrian broner give it up for keith turner jr hey, malcolm i was about to say something completely different and now you just had to throw AB out there. <laughs> just, re- just a reminder for everyone, he ain't the champ. What's up, everybody? <laughs> He's a winner, kids. And here in the capital city, it's your boy, Malcolm Morgan, 614. Let's go. Fellas, how are we doing on this wonderful Tuesday evening? I forgot what day it was. <laughs> Man, I am, I am good, you know. Uh, it's a lot to talk about. Uh, what a weekend of, for sports fans all over. Um, some happy, some not so happy. So I'm ready to get to it. What's up, y'all? I'm out here feeling like Soldier Boy. Um, <clears throat> I started it. If you did it, I did it first. And I don't care. I said what I said. What? Man, Soldier yeah, Soldier is he's out here, man. He is. Young Draco. I don't know that's Yo, about. did you did you watch Yo, Keith, if you have not watched that interview, just set aside a solid 35 minutes and be blessed. Cuz Soldier Boy is out he here. He was on the Breakfast Club, right? Yeah, that's yeah, the one. Yeah. I've seen some people talking about that. I don't know if I want to watch it. You I you don't, but you do. Oh, okay. But yes. <laughs> yes, it's kind of like watching the Bengals. You, you don't really want to watch it, but you, you yeah. want to watch it. I do it anyways. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> That's how I used right. to feel about the Browns. Use. Use. Oh, oh. Wow. Come on. <laughs> young bake, young bake in the kitchen hey, up in there. Hey, Baker in the hey, kitchen. Hey. Yeah, baby. <clears throat> Doing the laundry, the land. Okay, all right, all right, all right, <laughs> all right. All right. Go ahead run that into the ground. <laughs> so, we're gonna get started with the big news from over the weekend. Oh Lord! NFL Conference Championship weekend, mm-hmm. and we got off to a crazy start crazy. with a wild, controversial game. Between the uh, Los Angeles Rams and the St. Louis, excuse me, and the New Orleans Saints. Um, You know, the Rams were able to pull out the win, but it was not without much controversy. Much. Namely, a blatant missing of a pass interference call um, late in the game um, on the Rams. Um, So, guys, let's just let's start there. You guys, how did the refs miss this call? There's I, I don't even know honestly. It was, it was so blatant. I just I can't even think of the last time I seen such a blatant missed call like that. Honestly, it was um, it's really embarrassing for the NFL. Now here's the one thing I will say. Um, throughout the game, I realized honestly in both games the referees were not throwing a lot of flags. Period. 
Um, mm. And that was one of the main concerns with a lot of fans with ratings and all of that was that they were just like early on the first like eight weeks, like fans were complaining. There were just way too many penalties, way too many. So now the refs kind of just allow a lot to go. And of course, we have this moment where um, there's a missed call. So I felt really bad for the Saints, honestly. Um, but then I reviewed some things today and I didn't feel as bad anymore. Uh, we can talk about some of those in a bit, but yeah, it was a really bad missed call. Really, really bad. Uh, I don't know how a cat can, um, I don't know how a ball is in the air. Um, even the, the not avid football watcher, they're looking at that receiver because that's where the ball is headed. He's the only receiver in the vicinity. Um, and before the ball has a chance to even get, I don't know, what, 10 feet near him, uh, the defender rushes you, tackles you pretty emphatically, head, head, head. first, helmet to helmet. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, not only are you a receiver that, you know, you know, pass interference, your, your progress has been impeded, you're not given a fair chance to, to even, you know, go to receive the ball, but you are the targeted receiver. Um, not in that moment, not in that game, not at that time. You cannot miss that call. Um, I was sick to my stomach because what did, was it a was it a touchdown play? No, not necessarily. Um, you know, it of course, something crazy could have happened as well. Severely, it absolutely was, absolutely was. But does it, does it change the complete dynamic of that drive? Yes. Um, does it put New Orleans in a position where they they are going? Uh, I, you know, you, you can read the tea leaves. You can see how the defense is on his heels. Uh, you can see what they're able to get off, get off and what they're not able to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very confident New Orleans, you know, gets a touchdown, um, if that does not happen. And so, yeah, it, it, uh, that's, that's disappointing. Referees should not decide those games, um, especially in moments like that. Uh, now, you know, one could say, yeah, you know, New Orleans had their opportunity in overtime. They didn't handle business. That is absolutely true. And I hope that the Saints players and coaches, you know, I, I hope that's what they take is that they did have opportunities that they left um, um, on the field. Uh, there was another blown call in overtime. You know, Keith, I'm, you know, we won't get into it, but <laughs> the receiver was held on that on an interception play. Um Defender hit Breeze's arm, not the ball, and that that should have been called as well. You you can't you can't miss calls at that juncture in the game that are that obvious. We're not talking about a holding. We're not talking about a, a tip for tat or, or ticky tack roughing the pass or whether or not he hit him on the helmet. You're talking about guys getting tackled before they have a chance to make a play for the ball. Defenders not turning around, and and you 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 just can't you can't miss that. So yeah, I'm disappointed. They, the Saints should have been in the Super Bowl. We should yeah. be seeing Breeze versus the other guy. But yeah. uh, versus the- you know what, Ian? Though here's the thing. I I was thinking that same thing too, especially yesterday. But then when I was reminded that the refs missed a blatant face mask call on Jared Goff, which would have given them first and goal as well to score a touchdown. I don't feel as bad because both had to end up settling for field goals. And on top of that, let's not forget that Sean Payton made two critical coaching errors on that drive where, first of all, he he threw the ball to Michael Thomas. That was a terrible call. And Drew Brees 
um, threw the ball basically into the ground, stopped the clock, threw another pass. So at the end of the day, like I did feel really bad because of that missed call. And I do believe the Saints could have. And again, I picked the Saints. So, you know, I, I was really believing they were going to uh, get that victory. But there were a lot. There were like at least three or four missed calls that could have went the the, uh, the Rams way as well. That could have impacted the score as well. And when I reviewed those again today, I didn't feel as bad. Do I still feel like they were, you know, still robbed? Yes. Um, but there were definitely some calls that could have been made that could have had more um, points on the board for the Rams as well. So. Yeah. I mean, overall, listen, the the, the game – New Orleans did not play well enough to to separate themselves in this game anyway. No, and that's why I'm saying, um, I think in our preview I said, you know, I thought Kamara would go for 100 yards receiving. He got 96. Mm-hmm. But what I did not bank on was that he and Ingram combined for 46 yards on the ground. 46 yards. On on only 17 carries. Yep. You, can't, you cannot have a two-headed monster like that. Um, and, 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 you know, put a leash on those guys the way they did. Mind you, they're up big. They're up 13 nothing in the four, in the first quarter. Yep. You, you, you're not behind playing catch-up where you have to drop Breeze back 40 times and throw it. So, yeah, it's, it's, game management was, was definitely in question uh, in this game. It's crazy how, like, the Saints went from last week playing against the Eagles and having a – bad first quarter and just taking it to him the rest of the game to going to this game, having a fiery first quarter and basically being outplayed and outcoached the rest of the game, yep. in my opinion. It's crazy, you know. Yeah, I, I uh, obviously I did not watch the game, but I got this crazy text from our three in one group chat saying, oh, my gosh, I can't believe they lost the game like that. So in my mind, I thought it was going to be some simple, oh, guy was holding the receiver, oh, you know, something like that. And then I went to go watch the highlights, and I saw that the guy was literally tackled. Um, And I just don't know. I'm just kind of speechless as to how that could even happen in an NFL game, Um, especially a game um, with that much on the line. Um, now the second, the, the, uh, one in overtime, I didn't, I don't think that was at, clearly it wasn't as blatant as this one. Um, no, but, um, but that's a huge, that's a huge play that the, the Rams were able to make. And it's unfortunate that, um, that kind of the, the great game that it was, was overshadowed by that bad call. Cause even up to that point, the game had been really good. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I do want to point out is. You know, the Rams did a lot this offseason to upgrade their team. Mm-hmm. And two of their big pickups, um, this trade deadline and this offseason, had big games for them. And Damakunsu yep. had four tackles, uh, a sack and a half. Yep. Um, and then Dante Fowler, who they picked up at the trade deadline, did have a half sack and a couple tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's, that's going to be really important for them as they go on to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. is making sure that they're able to get pressure on Brady. Um, we'll talk about that game next, but um, it was really impressive to see their their new additions making an impact um, in that game. And let's not forget C.J. Anderson, who yeah. you know single handedly has you know um, just revived their offense again. I mean, Todd Gurley. If you if I were to tell you that Todd Gurley would only have four carries for ten yards and a touchdown, you would not believe the Rams would have won that game. Um, 
And then on top of that, Todd Gurley, he just didn't play well at all. I mean, I think he had like two drops. One one ball went right off his hands and was an interception. Um, Gurley did not play very well. But C.J. Anderson gave a steady, like, tough, I'm going to run it straight, you know, down your throat type of, you know, um, back that he gave, you know. It was incredible to watch him play. I mean, he didn't have staggering numbers, but the carries he had – you you seen some tough runs, um, and I mean Brandon Cooks got the job done. Uh, Michael Thomas was nowhere to be found. I mean he had like four catches, um, and then dare I say Jared Goff outplayed Drew Brees. Um, you know even though even though the QBR is higher for Brees and all that, the way that Goff managed the game it's not. late, um, I think I think Goff outplayed him. In the in the Superdome, uh, there was a lot of balls that Breeze did not connect well on. Uh, that that pass that was thrown uh, for the pass interference play was severely underthrown to where if if Roby Coleman, I believe his name is, if he turns around, he probably picks that ball off. Um, it wasn't Breeze's best game at all, um, and I think that is a lot of credit to the pressure that Indomitian Sue, um, Aaron Donald, Dante Fowler, and all were able to put on, and on top of that, Akeem Talib played pretty well as well. Anything else on this game, guys, before we move on to the AFC? I'm still oh. upset, but, uh, but no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not mad that the Rams won because they played well enough they did. to win the game. You, you can't, I mean, if you're New Orleans, you bank on your home, t- your, your, home field advantage. You can't be up 13 nothing in the first quarter and take your foot off the gas in the second quarter like they did. Um, and I remember at one point, you know, just the stats from the second quarter. It, it wasn't just bad. It was abysmal for the mm-hmm. Saints. And and you you can't you can't leave the door open like that. Uh, you got to go for the jugular, and I'm, I'm surprised. Of course, the Rams defense has something to do with that. Uh, but there may have been a little interesting play calling going on as well uh we you know so uh, i'm not mad that the rams won the lost the game like malcolm said i'm i'm disappointed severely disappointed these guys are putting their bodies on the line um they're risking injuries that they may never be the same for the rest of their life um and and they're they're out here they're balling blood sweat and tears and to have a game like that where the stakes are that high be decided uh, um, and it, you know, I understand it wasn't the last play of the game or anything like that. Nope. But critical, critical turning points. Um, um, the 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 yardage, the first down, the field position, the mm-hmm. momentum, how tired the defense was getting. All of these things come into factor when you miss a call like that. That is just inexcusable to miss. So yeah, I, I'm I'm a little more than, than frustrated with this game. Also, because it's not going to be as good of a Super Bowl. But yeah. Listen, Greg Zerline deserves a ton of credit. He kicked a 57-yarder that looked like it would have been good from 65. Um, yeah, I mean, the Rams did enough. I think you're right, Ian. They did yeah. enough. And um, I think it's just hilarious. You know, the Saints are, you know, crying about the integrity of the game. And this is the same franchise that had Spygate less than a decade ago. You mean Bounty Gate? Um, yes, I'm sorry, Bounty Gate, not Spygate. I'm sorry, but yes. Um Funny how the uh, the tides have turned, um, but no. That was all Greg Williams, though, you know. 
And he's uh, back, baby. Uh, Greg Williams is back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think this also had something to do with that head coach that's still there, too. Just saying. Dun, dun, so, um, dun. anyways, it's all right. Um, you know, congrats to the Rams. I'm very happy for them. Uh, excited to see what they're going to be able to do against New England. Well, speaking of New England, let's go ahead and talk about the uh. AFC Championship game. The Patriots were able to pull off a 37-31 game in a game, honestly, that should have not been this close. When you look at the stats, nope. the Patriots outgained them, yep. beat them in time of possession, mm-hmm. had double the first downs, but the big number there was the two turnovers yep. that the Chiefs were able to force um, to it push this game into overtime. Good Lord. Yeah, this is just this has to this has to really hurt the Chiefs because there's like I said there's no reason they should have even been close in this game but they fought back in that fourth quarter able to get into overtime and then to lose it uh, without even getting a chance but you guys what are you guys' impressions of this win um, and the Patriots heading to their third straight Super Bowl? There's no more conversation about no. who the greatest who the greatest quarterback I mean, was there. I thought that's been some over. were still talking but uh. I, at this point, I mean, honestly, I, I could have said that from the previous couple games in the playoffs. Um, just the way that Tom Tom Brady has flipped the switch of destiny. <laughs> and wow, I mean, you know, he there were times this season where he just he looked all of the what 40, 41, 42 years of age that he is. Mm-hmm. But. uh but no, this 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 performance. And here's the thing, you know, you could talk about the yardage that he amassed. Um, but he went thirty of forty six. If his receivers were had, if they were catching balls, Tom Brady was laying these these throws out. Oh, I was uh, I I've I've not seen him that accurate with the ball being that live coming out of his hand in a long time. So he was accurate enough to be. 41 42 out of 46 it was it was that good um the two the two picks they were i think they were both tip balls right i know one of them i, was. Believe. I don't remember i don't know if the second one was i forget no it, but, no 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 the, the one down in the red zone wasn't he just i don't think he's seen them oh yeah 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 but uh i did have new england winning this game and I, it was for the reason that it ended up being, I said that Sonny Michelle, you know, was really coming to play like that. I did not anticipate him having two touchdowns, 113 yards. But when you feed him 29 times, Sean Payton. <laughs> um, so if I'm sorry to, if and Sonny Michelle's a rook still, right? Yep. So yeah. if well, yeah, I, I'm I'm making a point. I'm saying <laughs> I, I want to make sure that he's still a rookie because. Oh, man. You know, for him to get fed 29 carries, even Rex Burkhead got 12 carries that they turned into two touchdowns. Yeah, man. And how they, again, I don't want to to jump back to the other game, how they get so many drastically more carries than a Mark Ingram and an Alvin Kamara, I I don't understand. But anyway, um, you know, less screen passes, I guess. But, yeah, uh, Brady, Brady dominant, Edelman came up big. Gronk came up big. Uh, those guys are postseason players. So regular season is child's play. These are the San Antonio Spurs of the NFL. Regular season is cool. We just use it to find tools so that we can go for the jugular in the playoffs. And so bravo to them. Yeah, I mean, here's the crazy thing. New England had held Kansas City to seven points through three quarters. That is... You know, just 
It's crazy it's to me. At home. At home. In Kansas City. Um, I mean, Kansas City just looked really bad that first half. Um, and, and they honestly, they better, they should be glad they were only down 14 to nothing at that point. Um, cause I think, you know, Brady threw a, yeah, he threw a pick, you know, I think it was, uh, I forget which quarter was in, uh, but they could have been up, you know, 21 or more to nothing. Um, and I was looking at it, Patrick Mahomes had only been sacked 26 times all season. So that's less than two sacks a game. New England got four on him that night, which you know, definitely was was huge for their defense. Um, this is the first game that I think that Kansas City missed Kareem Hunt a little bit more um, than I would have thought. Now, Damian Williams did give them a touchdown on the ground and two touchdowns through the air. And Patrick Mahomes missed him on a wide open touchdown that probably could have won them the game if he connects with them on that. I think they end up uh, being held to a field goal on that drive. But, um, but yeah, Tom Brady is just ridiculous. As soon as I seen them getting the ball in overtime, you just have this feeling that he's about to do it to him. And it was, I believe three or four third downs, Kansas city had the opportunity to get a stop. And on three of those four, Julian Edelman cuts across the middle each time and kills him. Um, I just, it, it was mind boggling to me how that happened. And on top of that, I missed this play, but apparently the Chiefs had an interception um, that would have given them the game. But D. Ford was lined up, uh, lined up offside. Lined up offside. Which you know uh, you cannot give Tom Brady those second opportunities. Nope, you nope. cannot, or he will say thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> go ahead and uh, head on back to that couch. That's where you'll be headed because we're going to Super Bowl. Um, and yeah, I, I echo the sentiments of Ian. You know, the, he is clearly the go the goat period there's no questions asked tom brady is a mastermind when it comes to finding guys and you can just plug in any receiver you want doesn't matter you can except chad johnson for some reason that did not work but you can plug any receiver into his system and you're will, pronouncing his name wrong it's chad ochocinco oh whatever <laughs> um what i mean that's the only receiver i believe that you can really put into that system and it not work it's crazy randy moss they went 16 and 0 before they lost the super bowl uh, i mean you could put anyone there and he will find a way to get the job done so um yeah it just is what it is guys we're, we're witnessing greatness Absolutely. Well, guys, here's the question that I have. After, you know, such a great game, Chiefs come back, force overtime, yep. but they don't even get a possession in overtime. Does yep. the NFL need to change the overtime rules again? I've thought about this. I would like to see, I think, we, you know, yeah, I'd like to see both teams get a possession um, and, and get a shot. I, I like the regular season model without the dumb tie ability. <laughs> um <laughs> So I, I don't know. I don't know why we suddenly go to sudden death once the playoffs hit. But uh, yeah, it, it would have been it have been worthwhile to see Kansas City well, get I think a chance. It, the rule is it the same as the regular season, where you, if you get a field goal, the other team gets a chance to match it. Is that is that not the same in overtime? You know what? The playoffs. Yeah, I think I'm thinking that. Um, I was thinking about. I think I might be getting. No, even in college, it's, if you get the touchdown. You win, right? No, no, no. Both, no, they, both, they, they oh, they both okay. So yeah, I'm mixing those two. Um, I would like to see both teams get a possession, regardless. I feel like you know we we've played 
this game down to the wire. Kansas City puts on a, a surge like that. 24 points in the fourth quarter is crazy. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, and so, you know, for them for them to do that, I think fans, they, they deserve the opportunity. And those players, they deserve the opportunity to have a shot. So, yeah, I, I was disappointed about that. But, yeah. Um, I would love, I would love it, honestly. I would love to see, you know, both get a possession. Maybe if college starts at the 25, maybe you start at the, you know, 30, 40 yard line. Uh, but here's the deal. I don't feel bad for a team that couldn't get stops on third down. I don't feel t- uh, bad for a team uh, that uh, didn't show up in the first half. I just don't feel bad. Like, would, would I, as a fan, love to be entertained with a, overtime where they both get a possession yes but at the end of the day they're professionals if you want the ball you got to get a stop and I mean my goodness you could have held them to a field goal and still gotten a possession but you gave up a touchdown uh that's on you and so uh you know I like the rule change already that at least we get you know you get a chance if you don't score uh, you know a touchdown it used to suck that you know you get the ball you you they get 40 50 yards they're in field goal range you could lose the game um, I like the fact that they're forcing teams to score a touchdown, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I have no sympathy for the Chiefs at all. I just, uh, I would like to see maybe, yeah, if they started like the 40 yard line, that would be, that would be a very interesting thing to see. Look, I hate that it comes down to, uh, the luck of the draw on a coin flip. Yep. Um, but it gets, doesn't have to know? be, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean? It doesn't have to be, you know, like based on. I mean, yeah, the coin flip definitely does give you an upper hand if you get the ball. But at the end of the yeah. day, if your defense can't get a stop, that's on them. They're professionals. Like, get a freaking that's, stop. That's that's all well and good. But at this point, you both teams should at least get an opportunity. I mean, if that's the case, if your team just can't get a stop, let's just do a coin flip. Whoever scores first wins the game, and then we'll yeah. just be done with it right there. Like. What's the point of having both offense and defense if they both don't get a chance to win the game? It just doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me to have it. That and the fact that there could still be a tie in twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen makes no sense. To That's me. true. That's but true. I, it it just made me think back to the. I, I believe it was a playoff game between the Seahawks and the Packers at Lambeau. The Seahawks get the uh, get the coin toss. And Matt Hasselbeck says, "Oh, we're gonna get it and we're gonna score." And then, if I'm not mistaken, he threw a pick six and they lost. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember it, but that's great. <laughs> he said it in the mic. He was like, "We're gonna get it. We're gonna take the ball, and we're gonna score." I feel like I remember the clip, but I don't remember the actual game. But that's that's good stuff. Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, um, so guys, oh, we have a, go ahead. I, I just want to shout out the officials in this game too. Uh, catches by I think it was Hogan and Edelman that. After all of this this catch drama, both of those balls hit the ground, but it awesome. was ruled that, you know, they they had possession of it and it was not the contact with the ground that allowed them to we've seen catches overturned because somebody's toe was in the wrong place when they came down and somebody <laughs> you were inbounds but your face mask was turned to the south. And so, like, it's just so many dumb rules about what a catch is. But at this juncture, two Patriots receivers make catches, quote-unquote, that both hit the ground clearly from camera angles that you can see. But 
they're ruled as catches. So, uh, shout out to, you know, I don't know, Ground Gate, Grass Gate, I don't Ground know. Gate, Dez Bryant. <laughs> Oh, Dez. Shout out, Dez. That catch, man. All right, guys. So we're going to do a quick pre-preview of this upcoming, I don't know, can we call it a rematch when the teams are so different? We got the Rams facing off against the Patriots again. Um, Who needs to have, for, for each team, who needs to have big games um, for their for their team to win? Are you talking about one player? Yes, Ooh. from each team. Okay. Ian, go ahead. Because I know who you're going with uh, for the patch, so. Well, I don't even know how much, how big of a game he has to have as much as he needs to play. Todd Gurley. Oh. Um, so, yeah, he, you know, yeah, he didn't look good like Keith mentioned, but uh, he was on the sideline getting worked on and clearly not looking like himself um, for most of that game. So first quarter, first quarter on, Todd Gurley is not Todd Gurley. Um, if if LA doesn't have him, they don't have a chance. Ooh, I disagree, man. Um, I think I think that what has happened this past game has shown that the Rams can win even if Gurley isn't a hundred percent. And that's because of what CJ Anderson brings to the table, um, and that now that does put more pressure on golf to be terrific, but. They can't do it. Uh, I think I think the the key guy uh, for the Rams at least is Aaron Donald. I think if he's mm. if he's able to get enough pressure on Brady. Listen, the Chiefs didn't have one sack against Brady the entire game. The entire game. Um, that's a recipe for disaster if you can't sack Brady at least a couple times a game. If Aaron Donald's able to get that much pressure on him, or bring enough attention to him to where Indomitian Sue and Fowler uh, can get to Brady. I think that's going to be critical um, because our defense is really, you know, him and Tlaib, I think, you know, are going to be two, uh, two guys. And for New England, I think it's, it's again about Sony Michelle. If that guy can continue to produce hundred yard games in a touchdown or two, the Rams are really, really in trouble. Now the Rams just held, you know, those two backs to 40 yards, but like Ian said, they only had, you know, limited touches. So um, we know that the Belichick in that offense is going to give Michelle some carries. We'll see what that defensive line can do. Yeah, I'm actually, I was going to say Aaron Donald as well, but I'll flip it up, flip it and go to uh, Ndamukong Sue. If they can get pressure up the middle and make things difficult for Tom Brady, it's it's hard because he gets the ball out. He moves around just enough to make plays. Uh, they do a good job of kind of constructing the offense around him, um, not being that mobile. But if they're able to bring some pressure up the middle um, and really make Tom second guess about standing in the pocket, um, that's going to help the Rams. And then for the um, for the for the Patriots, um, I'm going to go with Rob Gronkowski. Um, this year has just been kind of an up and down year with his health, with his play. If he's able to be a vertical threat for them at the tight end position and create matchup problems. Mm-hmm. Um, It'll be interesting to see if in in the past we've seen um, I believe when he was in Denver they tried to put Talib on Gronkowski um, at times. It'll be interesting to see if they try to do that here um, if Gronkowski becomes a problem. But um, if he's know. making plays, this Patriots offense is a lot is a lot more dangerous when they have him and Julian Edelman going and Sony Michelle rolling. This yep. offense is really scary. Yep. Absolutely. 
But we have a lot of time to talk about the Super Bowl. We have two whole weeks of Super Bowl coverage. God, I'm that really looking Pro Bowl. Ugh. Uh, well, we're not. We're not going to talk about this. No, that we're terrible, not. Terrible, terrible game. You know who's sick right now though? Josh Gordon. He's sick. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been him right now going to Super Bowl. Big redemption story. Could be mm-hmm. man, and he could have a big game too. Yeah. Whoo! He will put them over the top. Yep. But can't stay off the weed. <laughs> I was gonna play the ball, but then I got okay. That's not. <laughs> that is a throwback. Shout out to Afro Man. Yeah, Afro Man um, forever. Let's go ahead and switch up to the NBA blockbuster trade oh, this Lord. weekend. Stop it, blockbuster, Malcolm. <laughs> blockbuster. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony will be taking his talents to Chicago and leaving them at the airport to go somewhere else. The Houston Rockets <laughs> traded Carmelo to the Bulls for a stick of gum, three used band aids, and a box of. Tissues. Oh my gosh. Um, and the Bulls are expected to trade or waive him by the February 7th trade deadline. Guys, we've really talked about how terrible <laughs> Carmelo has been for almost over a year now. Um, but where do you guys think that he could have an impact at this stage of his career? What team do you think could get the most out of Carmelo um, this year? It's just crazy that they uh they gave him the plane ticket that says stay in your seat <laughs> once you <laughs> once you get to the air, this is not your final destination. <laughs> um, landing spots, I, I think you know I said this uh, before. Portland comes to mind. Um, it's one of the few places that I can think of where he can make a difference. Being mellow, there's a lot of places he could he could make a great difference if he just decides to. And you know, is is knocking knocking down those open uh, threes, but him being mellow, Portland is in need of uh, bench depth. Uh, they definitely need bench scoring. Um, if we're talking about, you said playoff teams, right? That doesn't have to be a playoff team. Oh well, I kind of you know, uh, Brooklyn is surging. I don't really see them wanting to insert a piece like that. Because he is going to squash D'Angelo Russell's shine immediately. Which, which may be a good thing. Well, oh, I don't know. Well, see, here's the thing. I don't know if they're going to work together because D'Angelo will be snitching. And Carmelo's mm. out here. So, I don't well, know if that's the best teammate for Carmelo. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If, Shout out to Lala. Got any, good Lord. I don't, know if, <laughs> I don't know if he got any more to be snitched about. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, no, Portland... Portland is is probably the one that I would want to see because I want to see Melo do well. I don't want to see him go out just being I don't know passed around to to, to hot potato. You know, mm-hmm. uh, seeing who would want to keep him. Um, but I think there's some potential there. There's some potential. I was thinking Detroit. Oddly enough, that would be so interesting to me. Um, him, you know, probably off the bench as well. New big three. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Melo Drummond and Blake. Uh, the fit is not great. Don't get me wrong. I know it. I know it. But then, of course, there's those L.A. Lakers, which is just an awful. Oh gosh, it's a terrible situation. But it would be entertaining. So, yeah, I honestly can't think of a team that I'd really like to see Melo with. Honestly, like I, I, I'm just curious if if he did go to L.A. 
what playing with LeBron whenever LeBron comes back, um, what that would look like if, if Melo could somehow mustered up the rest of Hoodie Melo that he may have left um, to, you know, spark something with that team. Who knows? Uh, is it worth that risk for L.A.? I don't know at this point. Um you know, at this point, L.A. just probably needs to wait until the offseason to make their blockbuster, uh, you know, sign, you know, uh, free agents, mm. free agency signings and go from there. You know, because apparently, you know, Anthony Davis is not going to become a Laker um, and doesn't seem like any other trades are going to, you know, make their way to L.A. before that deadline. So, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't know any other teams, honestly, at this point. So Lakers would be interesting to me. Um, oh, I mean, I would love to see what Papo could do with them. Because um, if anyone yeah. could, if anyone could do anything with any player, it would be Popovich. Popovich is the Bill Belichick of the NBA. Just insert a player; he'll find some way to make it work. <laughs> I, think um, Bill, I think Bill. I think Bill Belichick is the Greg Popovich of the NFL. But, uh, okay, uh, whatever. Split, However, you want to, you know, <laughs> potato, potato, Malcolm. However, you want to see it. Um, yeah, I think that would be the other team I'd like to see is what San Antonio could do with him. I mean, they've already got DeRozan and. You know, Aldridge and those guys, I'd be interested to see what Popo could do with them. So that would be my that my number one ch- choice would be San Antonio. Um, Ian had actually talked about one. I actually thought Brooklyn would be an interesting pick for him. Um, they don't get a lot of production out of the three position, and Karis LeVert is still hurt right now. Hopefully he can come back this year after his bad leg, his bad leg injury. It'll be a homecoming for Carmelo um, from Brooklyn. Um, I believe he wanted to go there um, when he was getting traded from Denver, or at least that was on his list. Um, I actually thought about Detroit as well. I just wish Carmelo played point guard because they, Reggie Jackson is just god awful. (laughs) Um, um, And then the Spurs were the other team I thought of. Um, If if anyone can get the best out of Carmelo, it's Pop, who coached him, uh, was an assistant for the Olympics, worked with Carmelo there, and I think Carmelo would respect him. Um, and allow him to work. I really hope he does not go to the Lakers. I just don't see that ending well. I just see him having a lot of DNPs in the playoffs <laughs> and, and looking sad. Like I just, I just don't, I don't want that. Um, another interesting team as well would be the Pelicans. Um, they haven't had a three since I don't even know who Trevor Ariza. Ariza, yeah. <laughs> when the um, so it'd be interesting to see him go there and give them a legitimate three slash four. Yeah, um, can we stop? Call, can we stop calling him a three at this point? Like, well, yeah, he. I I think he needs to play the four, four. All that being said, he is still better than all of the quote unquote threes the Pelicans have right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The ones named Darius Miller and Solomon Hill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, hopefully uh, Carmelo can land on his feet and find somewhere. Um, he can help a team. Shout out um, to Mello. Let's go out to the Evil Empire in Oakland. Let's not. The Golden State Warriors debuted Boogie Cousins over the weekend. Woo. And they look scary again. Um, yeah, so guys, how do you feel about this? This these early returns on Boogie in the lineup? It looks like they're they're starting him, which is... Really interesting. Um, right off the bat, they're putting him right to the starting lineup. 
Um, and he's looked pretty impressive so far, but what are you guys thinking? Mm. I hate it. That's about all I got, honestly. You know, I mean, seriously, guys. I mean, that, once it, once we knew the trade happened, we all like were just like, this is disgusting. Um, you know, the thing that was giving me joy early on in the season was when the Warriors were just struggling. But it, they're just like they're just like the Patriots. It doesn't matter what happens during the regular season when they get to the time where it counts. The Warriors, because of KD and Steph, are going to show up. And now with Boogie, you add Boogie Cousins? You might as well just, I mean, hand them the Western Conference Finals already. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see who comes out of these. But I'm just, I'm not excited. Not excited, you know. The, the, the most I was excited was watching LeBron and L.A. kill them on Christmas Day in, at the Oracle. Um, but no, I mean, I haven't seen the games, but I've seen highlights and I've seen people talking about it. And it seems like Golden State is back to being the Warriors that they've been for the last few years. So not exciting news at all. Yeah, my take is short, too. Uh, we knew what it was when they made the acquisition. And it is that we said we said it if Boogie was 50, 60, 70, 80 <laughs> right. percent of the player of the player he had been, it, this was going to be ugly. And it looked like they trotted the Monstars out there. Not only is it the shooting, which Boogie has the touch and he was apparently inaugurated as the third splash brother like he had predicted years ago, I think. Um, but. Um, his presence, the size, the way that he rebounds, giving them a very viable defensive rebounding presence. Um, also a rim protector. Uh, Demarcus Cousins is is a full package. I think it's easy to you know think about scoring or maybe rebounding and think that he's a two trick pony, but um, that 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 changed the dynamic of of everything. And I can tell as they mesh. Um, and things progress, it's, it's really only going to get harder to to stop them from doing anything that they want to do. Um, it's not fair. This is the this is the death lineup. So you yeah. literally start hoping for injuries on people. Like it, it, it turns you into a bad person because, like, honestly, I want one or <laughs> two of them to to get hurt. Honestly, I can't even lie. Yeah. Um, and some of y'all are like, man, the preacher over there talking about people getting hurt. Like, yeah, I can't lie. You know, I owe something, you know, a groin, just nothing too serious. Just to keep them out, you know, uh, a few series um, just to make things interesting. Because uh, right now, the way Boston's playing, um, they wouldn't have a shot. Um, and uh, Toronto, I mean, they beat the Warriors, but still, like, yeah. Uh, I'm honestly surprised um, at, uh, at how well Boogie is playing from the start. And, and they're playing him more minutes than I thought. Um, 15 minutes in the first game, 21 in the second game against the Lakers. Um, he seems to be moving pretty well. Um, he's still doing a lot of stretches and stuff when he's on the bench just to stay loose. But um, the early returns are really good, um, which yep. bodes well for them not bringing him back next year because they won't be able to afford it. Praise the Lord. Um so we actually need him to play well so this doesn't happen again next year. <laughs> I mean, do we really, though? I mean, or or honestly, do we just need him to play well and then come playoff time, tweak a little something, and then, you know, we may be okay. Well, then the Warriors sign him on the cheap. 
<laughs> Resign him on the cheap two this year, lose, four million dollar deal. Lose lose situation. Good guy. <laughs> lose lose. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see how how his minutes you know kind of progress as they get into the playoffs and then how the rotations will fill out. But so far, unfortunately, so good. Um, but we're gonna switch gears to some college football news. The college football transfer portal is open, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and a couple more big dominoes fell. Jalen Hurts going to Oklahoma, um, yeah, and Tate Martell leaving Ohio State, going to <coughs> taking his talents to South Beach to go to Miami. Um, I'm not going to ask you which one is the bigger get, but uh, what do what do these two quarterbacks bring to those respective teams? Jalen Hurts will be the uh, first Sooners quarterback to get cheered um, when they play Alabama. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. No, nah, uh, it's uh <laughs> no, nah, it it um I mean it's it's yeah, it's instant notoriety. Um you know, it's it's definitely star power. Uh I don't know how much long term it'll actually mean for Oklahoma, but um I know I personally wanted to see him be able to finish strong with a real shot. And so, uh if anything He'll be the feel-good story of the year, and if if it comes neck and neck with him and somebody else, say in a Heisman race, I'm not predicting anything, but I'm just saying, if that happens, and we've seen what uh um, um goodness gracious Tua? Oklahoma Oklahoma coach Lincoln is Riley. Lincoln Riley. Thank you. We've seen what Lincoln Lincoln Riley does with quarterbacks. So if if it's close. I think the fact that he'll be the feel-good story coming into the year it might put him over top. So I'm not going to say Heisman is crazy. Uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, he he can ball. So we'll see what happens. But that's who I'll be watching. Yeah. Um, first of all, are both of these guys even going to be eligible this upcoming season? That's... Hurts will be. He's a, he's a graduate transfer. Yes. Tate Martell is not, but he'll have two or three years left eligibility. Right. Um, and I think they're trying to win some type of case that'll grant him, you know, um, immediate eligibility. Um, no, I'll, I'll talk Hurts as well. Here's the thing. With Hurts, um, you don't know what you're going to get. Um, there was the Jalen Hurts that played really well for a, a stretch and then a Jalen Hurts that really struggled as well. And that's why they brought in Tua and then Tua ended up winning the national championship that game. But then this past year, you had Jalen Hurts who came in against Georgia and won them the game. Um, yeah. So, you know, Jalen Hurts, his arm is not the greatest. But like Ian said, working with Lincoln Riley um, and hopefully they'll have some, you know, some pretty good weapons to put around him. Uh, he could be good. I think Hurts is more more dangerous with his feet, um, you know, and they had a guy just like that with Kyler Murray. Now, Kyler Murray was more dangerous with his feet, in my opinion, um, but it definitely gives Oklahoma a, a experienced guy. If he can get a, accustomed to this playbook and everything, he's another guy that can at least give them a shot uh, to get back to the playoffs. So um, good for Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, the jury's still out with Tate Martell. Uh, I think he was very talented, but um, he didn't want to compete. And it'll be interesting to see what him and, you know, the the coaching staff, you know, they, they, you know, have a history with Martell. So, yeah, be intriguing to me. But uh, Hurts is definitely the 
the one that I am really going to be watching because uh, I'm curious to see what Oklahoma is going to look like with him. I'll be honest. I thought one of the Ohio State fans would give us a deep dive into Tate Martell, but nope, I guess nope. I will have to be the he's, one he's a to do it. I mean, not a lot he, to say about the guy. There is it. There really is it. He's uh, he is lighter complected. Um, <laughs> he is from Nevada. We know Vegas, that. right? Uh, Vegas, yes. Went to yeah. Bishop Gorman. Um, Football power. Yeah. No, Miami really does need a quarterback. Um, they've struggled. Their defense has played well. Obviously, they got a lot of hype with the turnover chain, and they've had some weapons, but quarterback play has been really inconsistent. So hopefully Manny Diaz can get this offense turned around because if he could do that, Miami has athletes. They have playmakers. The defense has been solid. Um, if he can get that get that side of the ball rolling, Miami has a has the potential to be a really dangerous, dangerous team coming out of the ACC. Um, so I'll be interested to see after uh, Tate Martell is eligible what he can bring to that that program and maybe bring some excitement uh, to that offensive side of the ball. Obviously, I'm excited about Jalen Hurts being um, in the Crimson and Cream Boomer Sooner. Um, looking for Heisman Trophy number three, three in a row, three-peat for the Sooners. And uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, Lincoln Riley knows what he's doing with these quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, Tate, Mar- I, Tate Martell. I have a th- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I was just going to say, Tate Martell has got to prove it with his arm. That's the number one yeah. thing. Ohio State always brought him in to run these little options, RPOs, all those type of things. Tate Martell, to me, what I'm going to be looking for whenever he's eligible is what that arm going to do. What is that arm going to do? <laughs> because um, that's what they need. They, they need someone who's going to be able to find guys uh, with the talent that they're going to bring down there. Um, of course, they're going to try to run some type of RPO, some type of you know spread offense that when, will make him dangerous in, in both. But I want to see what, what uh, he's going to be able to do with the, uh, with the passing game. Yeah, that's all we're going to say about Jalen Hurts and Tate Martell. <laughs> Um, this is. let's go ahead and go to the, I know you guys are, if you guys listen to this podcast, we know what you guys are really here for and you guys, you're about to get it. We're going to talk about it. The big fight over the weekend. Woo! Um, oh God. Oh God. Home team went down. Adrian Broner went down by a, I guess, unanimous decision. Um, Adrian did not agree. Um, Pacquiao won. Keith, how's Cincinnati doing? How's the city? How's the hood feeling right now? Listen, the hood ain't even claiming him, honestly. <laughs> were, the hood was the hood was all out. They all came out apparently. Uh over the Rhine was well represented over in uh were they in Vegas? Yeah, they were in Vegas. You know what's hilarious, man? I did not know that many people from Cincinnati was going to Vegas to watch this Negro fight. Like I could not believe it. <laughs> I, I had people from like my church and stuff going to this fight. Oh, I'm like, wow. What are y'all doing right now? Um yeah, it home was team. It was hilarious, man. That guy is such a joke, y'all. Like, I don't <laughs> understand. You know, it was funny. He was in a press conference, and a dude stood up and was like, "Adrian, you know, you landed a, maybe fifty punches the entire fight, and Manny landed X amount more than you. He hurt you a few times, and you still believe you won this fight?" And he was like, "Yeah, I believe I won this fight." And I'm just like. What planet are you from, dude? Are you kidding me right now? Um, and then and then this dude has the nerve to say, it's time to cash checks 
and have sex. I'm like, he's not from Cincinnati. We do oh, not wow. claim him. We don't nope. care. He's from the what hood. Yeah, that's, that's that. That sound like that nasty natty to me. Y'all, yeah, y'all need to chill. He puts the nasty and nasty natty. <laughs> that is the problem, man. Like we don't have anyone, you know, from Cincinnati who's going to those higher heights that's representing us well. We've got Ratchet a- Adrian Broner going in. Ah, gosh, it was just an, it was embarrassing. Um, and for him to talk all that stuff and for him to not throw that many punches at all, it's just embarrassing. So, uh, yeah, he's a fool, a bona fide fool. Um, and, yeah, that's about all. All Honestly, I was listening to some people from Cincinnati who were from the West Side, which is what he was claiming. That was like, mm-hmm. look, uh, we, we ain't claiming that Negro, like, at all. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and some people love him here. Like, they like, oh, look, he only talks like that. So, it, you know, he can sell tickets. Think about Floyd. Floyd sells tickets because he talks a lot. Blah, 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 blah. Floyd wins. Right. Floyd wins, and Adrian Broner just talks. So, um, but here's what the only th- last thing I'll say. I do want to see a Pacquiao and Mayweather, too. Um, oh God, I don't. Why? I don't. The only reason I why I do is because I'm hoping that could be Manny's last go, and he'll just give it all he's got, um, and you know, go from there. We'll see. But um, yeah, the first fight was extremely boring. Uh, you know, Floyd fights are normally boring, anyways. So, but I wouldn't mind seeing one more, just as la- Manny's potential last hurrah. Look, we all look. That's the thing. That this is the reason why I don't want to see it. We know it's. I, we can predict what's going to happen. Floyd is going to defense him to death and frustrate whoever he fights, and then we're all going to be complaining at the end about man, Floyd didn't throw any punches. Well, he never throws any punches. <laughs> at this point in his career. He's just going to dip and dodge and and defend himself to death, and then he'll he'll give you. The counter to make you to make you think about coming at him, and then the whole fight is just going to be him looking at you, you looking at him, and us wondering is this fight ever going to start? Right now, well, this, well, this is now. what I, I I did actually look at some boxing tape uh, last week going up into the fight. First, I looked at Adrian Broner, and every fight where he fought a real fighter is just sad because uh, he just can't get a punch off, um, and it, it's just sad. It's all it's the, basically the same formula. He does all this talking, gets in the ring. And then gets manhandled uh, for the whole fight. And then I watch like old Floyd because we can get tainted by a current Floyd, but old Floyd was amazing. Um, there's very few people who are as quick as him. I mean, he's do- in his prime. He would just he would have his guard completely down and dodging cats, giving him giving him everything they've got, yeah. and he's just dodging it. Um, it's amazing to see what he can do defensively. I've never seen a fighter like that in my life. Um, but yeah, can we just close the book on Adrian Broner at this point? No more big fights. No more big paydays. He doesn't show up. I, I look. He needs to just do exhibition fights or something from now on. He can go to China and go get a bag and fight some fourteen-year-old um, for t- for ten minutes at fourteen right. million dollars. Exactly. Because exactly. he just he just can't he can't do it at with in the big leagues with the good fighters. You know the problem is he's trying to be Floyd basically. He is trying yeah. to be Floyd. He he tries to talk like Floyd. He you know he just tries to be Floyd. He's a very poor imitation. So, and isn't he like? Does is it just me or does he look like massively out of shape all the time? 
I don't know, man. He he claims he works as hard as he said he worked the hardest this this fight for this fight. He didn't work. <laughs> that man was eating chicken and running his he's flapping his gums. That's why he got that's why he got hemmed up like he did and Pacquiao threw twice as many punches. Right. <laughs> Right, man. <laughs> he's a, he's such a character, man. I just is, man. I just want him to shut up. I mean, he he all he annoys me more than Floyd. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. When well, yeah, you don't man. win, it's definitely more annoying. Oh yeah. Yeah, but again, but did like, y'all see the? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was about to switch gears. So no, no, it was just like, like the crazy thing is, is that that sells tickets. And I think he yep. gets fights because of it. And the sad part is there's some guys who's really talented who may be much better than him, but they may not get some of those marquee fights because they don't talk the way he talks. Um, and it's crazy. And some people tuned in. Like me, I only I tuned in. Thank God for someone who posted it on Facebook Live. You are the GOAT. You're the MVP. Um, but Because <laughs> I surely wasn't paying for it. Um, but I only tuned in with the hopes of watching him get destroyed. And I was thoroughly satisfied. Yeah, I was gonna say, did y'all see the undercard um, where the guy got headbutted and it his split his head open? Oof, no. Oh my goodness, yes. I didn't see it actually happen, but I seen the blood. I was just like, oh yeah, my yeah, oh my god. They showed the the ref looked like he had just butchered a pig or something. Like he was just covered in old dude's blood, and his I mean, literally the the front of his his forehead was just completely split, and he kept fighting. Yep, it was wow. wild. It was wild when I saw the pictures. I was like, "Did he? Did somebody cut him? Like, what happened?" <laughs> it looked crazy. Um, all right, real quick before we go to our parting words, we don't talk hardly any baseball at all, but the Hall of Fame um, people came out today. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Mariano uh, Rivera was voted in uh, as the first unanimous. Which is, that's kind of that's kind of surprising. First unanimous pick. Uh, he'll be joined by Roy Halladay, Edgar Martinez, and Mike Mucina. That's and a solid are, class. And you are our baseball expert. Yes. How do you feel about this class? Uh, Mo Rivera in his prime, the shutdown closer of, I don't know, uh, of the century. I mean, it was, it was, it was always prime time. Flash bulbs were going off. When Mo Rivera took the took the took the mound, if the Yankees had any semblance of a, of a lead, uh, did you say Edgar Martinez? Yeah, Edgar Martinez. Okay, okay. Roy Halladay, Mike Messina, right there from that era as well. Roy Halladay, dominant, dominant uh, performance after performance through his Toronto and Philly days, and then Mike Messina. Um, people forget about Moose, but he was a uh, he was he was a solid pitcher as well. And so, um, yeah, I, I I like that class. It, is it was this the all Yankee class or something? Mm, I, um, I don't know. It's, that's that's <laughs> very interesting. But uh, uh, you know, you can't argue with any of them either. Um, you, you know, kinda, you can kind of argue Mike Messina. Uh he did just enough, and he 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 racked up wins. Uh, so whether or not his his ERA was always the best. You know, is is questionable, but Mike Vicente, he he used to just come out of ball games uh, a lot like Andy Pettit, but a little bit less good. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but I think you know, uh, you know, because they were all playing, especially in those heyday years. Um, I don't know, all of those guys might get voted in. You may see Edgar Renteria 
pop up and uh, I don't even remember if he was actually on the on Yankees. I'm just saying. No, he was not. Uh, he was absolutely not. Okay. But yeah. Um yeah, uh, I I I can't argue with, you know, with any of those from what I can think of. Like you said, Musina would definitely be the most questionable, but given the clip of success that they had and a lot of that having to do with their rotation, I can't. I, I wouldn't argue it too hard. Yeah, I mean, Mo is, Mo is one of the GOATs, uh, the greatest closer ever, just unhittable, just completely unhittable. Yep. Um, Roy Holiday, I just remember him in his Toronto days. He just had a lot of wasted years up in Toronto. A lot um, of wasted years. Where he was just so dominant, but they was, were not anywhere near the yeah. playoffs. He was the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah. And, and he was one of those guys like a, like a Greg Maddox, like um, – you know, some of these other guys where you could see, you know, if you're looking at, you know, the angle from behind the mound, you could see the movement on his pitches. You can understand. Yeah. Even if you're not even if you're not a baseball player, you're not a hitter, you would see him throw that ball and you'd be like, Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to hit that either. Um, just the way the the movement that he had on his pitches, even if it's a fastball down the middle, the way that it cut, it was it was amazing. So Shouts out to Roy Halliday. I'm I'm most excited about him making it in. Yep. Keith, any thoughts? Um, no, I mean, I think you guys said it all. I mean, he was – I didn't like the Yankees growing up, so whenever the Yankees were about to put him in, I was like, oh, yep, here he goes again. Um, only thing um, – <clears throat> like, I like playing with him uh, on, like – I don't know if you ever played like MLB The Show or any of those like baseball yeah, games. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, I love playing with them. On, like I would normally like trade him. I would play with like the Reds or someone like that and like trade him to my team. So that way, you know, I have a dominant closer because <laughs> <laughs> um, I just didn't like the Yankees growing up at all. But um, yeah, Roy Holiday was a monster. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all I got to say. Only baseball news I'm excited about right now is that the Reds finally made some moves to bring in some players. That's about it. That's all I got, guys. Okay. Well, you know, we'll, we'll talk no more baseball after this. Probably <laughs> ever, so. Ian, I hope you enjoyed this. This was for you. Oh, haters, haters, haters. <laughs> so, you guys, you guys know how we like to end our shows is with our parting words. So, let's start off with Keith. Keith, give us your parting words for tonight. Um, I would like to shout out two people tonight. The first being uh, Greg Zerline. Um, my goodness, what a kicker you are. You showed up in the clutch for your team. And regardless of what happened with the referees and all, um, you showed that uh, having a solid kicker is very important to, the, to your team. I'm sure the Browns would have loved to have you and a bunch of other teams. So... Yeah, shout out to you. And then, most importantly, shout out to Manny Pacquiao for beating Adrian Broner. You didn't shut him up because he still talks. But thank you <laughs> for beating him. And matter of fact, might I add, whipping him uh, for all of us to see. Um, because, yeah, it's great when the, uh, the people who think they're the stuff get humbled. So that's all I got, fellas. Keith, thank you for your parting words. Ian, give us your parting words for tonight. Uh, 
I want to shout out Cancel Culture for canceling R. Kelly um, and for investigations opening up, you know, and for there being some follow-up that needed to be had. And um, I want to uh, encourage young ladies around the world to know your worth, um, be on the lookout for predatory behavior, uh, but ultimately, you know, don't don't settle. Uh, don't be enamored with glitz and glamour. Um, no matter how much money or anything a man has, uh, you know, just just shoot for a man that wants to treat you right. Um, and don't grow up too fast. These 15, 16-year-olds that look like 23, 24-year-olds, man, the pressure is on to be a sex symbol. But, you know, shoot for being a decent woman. Shoot for being a strong woman that uh that knows what you want what imprint you want to make on this earth. Uh don't let a man define you. So yeah, I want to give a shout out to uh cancel culture actually doing something productive. Hashtag cancel culture. Gotta love it. Well, I'm gonna go slightly less serious. Um my parting words are gonna go to one Earl J. R. Smith. Oh, um, oh god. You know what? I've I've it's been my goal in life to find a job that will pay me <laughs> to not be there. And JR NBA champion, did he win a 6 man of the year award? He did. 6 man of the war, year award winner is getting paid. How much is he getting paid? Too much. I don't know. I don't know his annual. Like 15 million dollars to stay at home. JR, I salute you. There's there's people all over this world that make way less than that that have, that are, that want to live that dream with you. Um, Carmelo was doing it for much less. <laughs> I was just about to He's, say, he, the, he is the finesse lord himself, finesse lord. Um, not to be confused with the finesse god, John Gruden. Um, but JR, shout out to you. You are in your home gym, probably sipping some Hennessy between three-point jumpers um i hope you're enjoying your much i don't know if you need it or deserve it but you're much have had time off (laughs) shout out to jr hope he can find somewhere to play and if not keep cashing them checks young fella cashing them checks jr will always get the rebound always get and take it out to the three-point <laughs> yes, line. He'll always bring it out. no reason. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, real quick, before we leave, I just randomly had a thought, and I'm just going to go with it. Better step back. James Harden, Kimba Walker. Kimba Walker. I Kimba. would never give James Harden credit for his triples. For his back. travels, right. Them travels. First of all, not all of them are travels, and I just want to say that I have always said that Kimba Walker step back is legendary. It's vicious. Take it back to the UConn days. UConn, that dude winning from Pittsburgh is still icing his ankles from when he got stepped back on. Um, before we leave, we should have done this earlier, and I apologize, fans. I know you guys are also looking forward to this. Keith, our picks. Oh, for last week's playoff games. Oh, here we go. We got to do our picks. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Um, I was zero and two. Uh, definitely could have been one and one, but you know, Saints, uh, huh, mm, debacle. Anyways, uh, and Malcolm and Ian both were one and one. Malcolm always went with the Chiefs, and this time it bit him in the butt. And yep. uh, Ian correctly chose the Pats, but he also chose Saints. So 
You guys were one and one. I was the only one going zero and two. Shaking my head. Technically, technically, I was two and zero, oh, but uh, I, no lost to I, lo- uh, to the, we, we lost to the Zebra. We lost to the Zebra. All right, these this guy. Come on, Herm Edwards. We play to win the game. Okay, launch the this. investigation. <laughs> launch the investigation. <laughs> uh, well, that's it. We have just completed another episode of this wonderful podcast we call Three and One. In Cleveland, Ohio, it's Ian Lamont Morgan. Blessings. And in Cincinnati, the Nasty Natty, it's Keith Turner Jr. Coach Taylor, we're waiting on you, man. As soon as you're finished winning. And here in the capital city, it's your boy, Malcolm Morgan. This has been another episode of the 3-in-1 Podcast. We'll see you all next time.